you have a Bible, let's open up today to Luke chapter 16. As we cover a really, really heavy, heavy topic today. You ever like meet people that they just don't get to the point? <laughs> you know, they beat around the bush, they don't cut to the chase, you kind of don't even know what is happening in their conversation, you know? I think sometimes I'm like that. But it, today in our study, I mean, God just gets to the point. You know, God just, man, he cuts to the chase. I mean, this is like the serious stuff of all serious stuff. This is what it's all about. It's about heaven and hell. It's about the lost and the found. It's about the saints and the ain'ts. It's about, you know, what it's all about. You know, I'm like a lot of you here. I, you know, I, I want to have a good life. You know, I do. I, I love life. Um, and I want you to have a good life. You know, we want you to have, you know, the, you know, I don't know. If you want chorizo, you can get chorizo and stuff like that. You know, if you want to go on a vacation, it's just beautiful, you know, to enjoy things like that. We want you to have love and peace and all the good things that life has to offer. You know, we want you to have a good life, but man, more than that, we want you to have eternal life. Because this life, you guys, don't forget, it's just a vapor. James chapter 4, verse 14, this is a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, then comes eternity. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. So that you and I would have life. Because we don't know when we're going to die. You know, and I don't want to sound morbid. And, you know, you know, we don't always talk about this, but, but today's the day. You know, we got to think about this. Because we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow. We don't. Today might be the day. Any day now. Any moment now. And we got to be ready, you guys, for that time when we stand before God, that time when we cross over time. we got to be ready for that. You know, we can't wonder, well, what's going to happen to me? Well, I'm not sure. No, you got to make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He loves you. And he says to you today, I love you. And I offer you life. We receive it. That's what we see in our study today. How many of you here are, you do computers, you know, you go on emails and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure a lot of you here do. And you ever go to like a, a, a website or whatever and, and you forgot your username? You ever do that all the time? <laughs> forget your username, you forget your password or whatever. I read a story about a man, he had a nightmare and uh, he woke up in the middle of the night and he was just crying and wife said, what happened? What happened? He said, man, I went to heaven's gate and I forgot my username and my password. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me in, you know. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, that's probably a crazy dream. But imagine if that was a reality. Imagine if when you died and you kind of like woke up and you didn't make it in. You got to be sure. And that's why Jesus shares the story that he shares today. In Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, 
He said that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. We're going to see today, first of all, their life. Secondly, their death. And then finally, their destiny. And one thing I want to share with you, just in case you read commentaries on this, or just in case you listen to a study, every once in a while there might be some who say, this is just a parable. You don't have to read too much into it. But one of the things you need to take into consideration is that when Jesus Christ spoke parables, he never used names. He uses a name here, a guy named Lazarus. And so we find it's not just a parable with a couple of symbolisms here and there. No, this is a real story. This really happened. This certain rich man and this certain beggar. We see, first of all, their lives. Notice again in verse 19 that this certain rich man, it says in verse 19, was clothed in purple and fine linen. And this certain rich man, the Bible says, fared sumptuously every day. Now, most rich people fared sumptuously, lived extravagantly, dressing up and feasting, you know, once in a while, on special occasions. But this certain rich man, the Bible says, lived in luxury every day. He wore purple, the Bible says, and that describes the most expensive clothing of the day because they would take, you know, these, uh, uh, these uh, shoes, what are they? They're snails, carnivorous snails. It lived in the Mediterranean Sea. And it would literally take 12,000 shells to produce just two grams of dye. And so if you had purple, that meant, man, you had the best clothing, right? And so here was this guy. Bottom line is what the Lord's trying to say. He was super rich. He was super rich. He had it all. And he flaunted it all. Now we're going to see that this guy is not a good guy. Um, and that doesn't mean that he was not a good guy because he was rich. You know, there are people who are rich who love the Lord. This is just a certain rich man. Not all rich men are as him. Many rich men love the Lord and they love the people of the Lord. But tragically, this man did not. And so the Lord shares a story. A certain rich man, and then we see next a certain beggar there in verse 20. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. He just wanted to be fed with crumbs, man, that fell from the rich man's table. Another thing that was so crazy about is the only ones that paid attention to him, the only creatures that really paid attention to this beggar were the dogs. And they were licking his sores. Now imagine the contrast here. You have this extremely rich man living extravagantly, probably had a grip of friends all around him all the time. And you have this certain beggar had nobody, nobody even to shoo the dogs away. And there's just this crazy contrast that we see this, you know, rich man and big man. 
the beggar. Jesus gives the contrast. It's interesting. Notice it says right there that he was there, a certain beggar named Lazarus. And it says right there, who was laid at his gate. You know, And, and the Greek word for laid is a real interesting word. It's, it's usually translated cast in the authorized version. And that's why Kenneth Weiss, when he translates this verse right here, he says it was one who had been flung down carelessly at his gateway. Because this word right here it speaks of someone who's cast or thrown, let go of, not caring where it falls. You know, they would just let him out down on the ground. That's it. And as he was there, he would hope for crumbs. It doesn't say that they gave him crumbs. He would just, you know, hope to, you know, get some get crumbs his way. He didn't have anybody fetch him for him. And this guy was here, and the Lord is painting this picture. And, you know, uh, you know, it's not a parable. There are people like this man. You know, and you come down on a Wednesday, man. Come here on a Wednesday. You meet us here, and you go over to the Almighty Boys and Girls Club. And we feed the poor. And you'll meet men like this. Men who do not have anybody. Anyone. There's people like that. There's people like this rich man who think that because they're rich, that they're blessed. You know, and don't get me wrong, like I said earlier, if you got money, it doesn't mean you're bad, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're blessed. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger question than whether or not you got a lot of money or whether or not you don't, whether or not you're blessed. Because a lot of times, you know, that money can be a distraction from the calling upon your life and the kingdom of God. A lot of times that money... You know, we learn, you know, to, I don't know, and I, everybody's different. God knows who can handle it, you know. But sometimes people got a lot of money, and, and, they, and they worry about it, and they hoard it. And, and God says, you know, the reason I gave you all that money is because I want you to help others. Yeah, but Lord, they should get a job, you know. Lord, you know, they're just going to waste it. And so what do you do? You throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yes, there are some people that you should not give to, but there are many more that you should give to. Be careful. And this rich man right here, you know, he's an example of what not to do. The poor man here is in this condition. Jesus is telling about their life, and then he tells about their death. He says the day came. It says in verse 22, So it was that the beggar died. And he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. You know, sometimes I think we think that this life goes on forever. You know, and, and we forget that the chances are we're going to die one day, you know. The statistics are still, you know, 100 out of every 100 people die, man. A thousand out of every thousand, one out of every one. We're we're gonna we're gonna face that. The only ones that never die, we read the Bible, is Enoch and Elijah. But they're gonna come back and they're gonna die, so don't worry. <laughs> and then the church that gets raptured. But other than that, we're all gonna die, and we never know when. Some of you here, you've been eating too much cheese. 
<laughs> I'm talking to myself. We got to be careful, man. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know that death is a result of the fall. God warned Adam and Eve in Genesis 2.17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. So the day you eat it, you shall surely die. That's a result of the fall, right? But they didn't heed the words of the Lord. And so therefore, you and I, we have an appointment with death. It's already circled on God's calendar. He's got it there in his Microsoft Office you know, software, man. Oh, here, I love it. You know, Psalm 116, I think it's verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's not a bad thing for those who know the Lord. Notice what it says right here. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. I mean, man, that's not a, a bad thing. I mean, we're going to miss them. But those who know the Lord, they're carried by the angels to the place of comfort to the place where there's no more death there's no more pain there's no more sorrow there's no more tears to that place that is really our home see this is not our home this is not our home we are fish out of water that's our home you know this you know beggar right here he was carried by the angels home and it's a beautiful thing when you read this story we have an appointment with death. The question is, are, are you ready to die? You know, I know sometimes people, they go to church and, and they think that, you know, the pastor, whoever it is that's talking up there, you know, he's not really talking about things that are real practical to me, you know. Well, this is practical. This is very practical. This is as practical as it will ever get. didn't call us to start a church you know to to build a building or to make people happy God called us to preach the gospel so that we would be saved That's what it's all about. And this passage is a finder passage. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's a finder passage. God wants to find you. God wants to bring you to him. God wants to save you. This passage is a reminder passage. Don't forget, Christians. That's what it's all about. And you got to tell your neighbor... You gotta tell that person across the street or that one that God laid on your heart, you gotta tell that Jesus loves them. You gotta tell them that they need Jesus, that He's the answer to all their problems. It's not a philosophy, it's not a psychology, it's not go get a job. You know, those are things that are secondary. It's not, you know, go to the doctors, it's not, you know, whatever it is, it's Jesus. He's the answer. Because one day uh, we're going to die. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever been close to dying before. Some of you have. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. Until you're really there, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever really been there, if you've ever really thought about it, you know. But, man, when you're there at the edge, you know, and you think you're going to die, like whatever it is tomorrow, 
it really makes you search your heart. Do I really know the Lord? Am I sure about this? Well, I've been to church all my life. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Well, I like the message he preached last Sunday. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Well, I raised my hand. I went forward. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You've got to really make sure you know the Lord because, man, the worst thing that could happen is you can say, well, I went to Calvary Chapel, Almani, and, you know, I, I was there, Lord. But you don't really know the Lord. How can we know whether or not we know the Lord? Well, number one, there's an inner assurance. And number two, there's an outer assurance. And that means a changed life. A behavior or a faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. Are you different? What's different about you since you've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you have a hunger for the Word of God? Or you just come on Sunday mornings because that's what religious people do? Do you hunger for the Bible? Do you love to pray and sing? I mean, those are things that will tell you. If you don't really like Bible studies, if it's boring to you, then chances are you do not know the Lord. You don't like to pray. Oh, yeah, I do before I eat. That doesn't count. <laughs> Everybody does except for my dog. You see, we got to be careful. We got to be careful, man. <laughs> All I'm saying, you guys, is that, you know what, part of our, our calling as leaders, you know, we're servant leaders. We're, we're, we're just the same as you, but I have a heavy responsibility to, you know, like make sure that we make it from here to there to do the best that I can to make sure that one day when you die that you go to heaven. And the only way that, that we can do that is if we're straight up with you. And, and that's what we see right here. We don't want to be like that, that, that ship that capsized in the middle of the ocean. And where did the captain go? Crazy story, huh? Man, that's heavy. We have a heavy responsibility to do the best that we can, and we'll go down with the ship if necessary, but we want to take you to the other side. And that's why we have to search our hearts. Let me tell you something here today. Please, everyone listen. Please. If you have doubts of whether or not you know the Lord, then you need to settle those doubts today. You need to fully, completely yield your life to Christ today. You need to desperately cry out to Him who you are and who He is. You know, this beggar right here, he knew the Lord. Things change. You know, he went home. Well, look what happens right here. The rich man didn't. It says in verse 22 that the rich man also died and was buried. You know, I don't think the poor man was buried. The Bible doesn't say that. And, you know, to the Jewish culture, that was, oh, that was the, the worst, you know. Um, more than likely, they took the poor man, beggar, Lazarus, more than likely, they threw him into the dump. But the rich man, he had a nice funeral, beautiful casket, amazing, man. He had this funeral that, man, it was packed out, the best music. In those days, they would hire professional mourners. He had everything. He had probably a really nice suit, man, he was buried in, right? 
But let me ask you a question. Would you rather have a nice funeral or a nice faith? If you had to choose, I don't care, man. Throw my body into the dump. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I'd rather be carried to heaven by angels. Wouldn't you? That's what we see, the contrast here. He's carried to actually this place called Abraham's bosom right here in verse 22. You know, we see when we study the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, the way that it all works out, you guys, is this. Before Jesus died on the cross, everybody went to this place called Hades. The Old Testament calls it Sheol. The Septuagint, they use the Greek word Hades. And what we find is that during that interim period, there were two compartments in Hades. We see there is this place of torment and this place of comfort. Between them, there was a great chasm. That's what we read about here. Now, once Jesus died on the cross, and all those who were in Abraham's bosom, the place of comfort, now they were washed in the blood of Christ, and now they had the freedom to go to heaven. And so now, if you die, you don't go to Abraham's bosom. You go straight to heaven. Why? Because Jesus died for your sins, right? He did the work on the cross. But back then, they were all there. And so that's where they find themselves, in Abraham's bosom. And look what we read next. It says in verse 23 that this rich man... It says was he died and was buried, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this There's Lazarus. He's being comforted in Abraham's bosom. And now this rich man has a problem. You know, he looks across the chasm. He sees Abraham and he cries. He says, send Lazarus. Just let him dip his finger in some water and bring it over. And just, man, a drop on my tongue. Because I am tormented in this flame. What we find in looking at this is that when you die, you don't turn to dirt. When you die, you don't cease to exist. You have a soul. What we see is this rich man right here could see, speak, hear, thirst, feel, remember, and regret forever and ever. You see, one of the cool things is when we die and we go home to heaven, it's going to be so amazing. We're going to receive a new body. Aren't you guys glad? I'm so glad, man. I'm going to have pizza like this, and I won't gain any weight, man. I'm going to be taller, no gray hair. I won't have to floss my teeth or put on any deodorant. I'm pretty sure in heaven, don't you guys think we'll be able to fly, Superman? Either that or just, okay, I'm there. I mean, it's going to be amazing, right? We're going to receive new bodies, and I think probably the most exciting part of receiving a new body is in this new body, I will have the capacity to live in the presence of God. That's going to be amazing. Because if God manifested himself in his fullness right now, in this body, we would, we would just die. We're going to receive a glorified body with the capacity to inhabit heaven. But, you know, the heartbreaking thing is that the non-believer will receive a body with the capacity to inhabit heaven. And it breaks your heart. But that's what we see. This man is tormented in the flames. And he can see and hear and speak and feel and remember everything. A lot of people, they struggle with the doctrine of hell and punishment. And, you know, 
it's not a human invention. It's something that we read so clearly in the Bible. You know, a lot of times I think that we struggle with hell for a number of reasons. Number one, because we don't realize what sin is. We don't really have the understanding. We don't really realize that we sin against God. You know, we don't realize what sin is. And the second thing I think we struggle with hell is we don't realize what God has done to keep us out. I mean, you know, God sent his son. I mean, one time I remember I had a dream that my son died. It broke my heart. I was weeping. I mean, God sent his son dying on the cross for our sins. He did everything he could other than making us robots to keep us out of hell. If anyone ever ends up in hell, it's not because God sent them there. It's because they sent themselves there. God gives us all that invitation. I don't want you there. I'll send my son to die for you. I'll preach the gospel to you. I'll share my love with you. Please, please, please don't go there. A lot of people say, well, no, I don't want to. A lot of times people say, well, when we go to hell, we'll have a party. Right? (laughs) Play some ACDC. Maybe a little Rolling Stones. We're all going to do this together, right? No. That's not what the Bible says. This man is tormented in flames. One's in the place of comfort. The other is in this place of torment. And you know, the thing that we need to understand is this is just the beginning. This is just a holding tank. It's kind of like you go down to county jail for a while. You wait for your trial, and then you wait for your sentence. That's what Hades is. That's where they are. Because one day, according to the Bible, in Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15, that they will stand before God, and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. You know, Jesus spoke explicitly of this. If you want, real quick, let's go back to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and notice what it says here in verse 43. It says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched and where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Man, that's heavy. What is the Lord saying? Should we cut off anybody having problems with you know, doing things with your hands that you shouldn't be doing? Anybody here? Let's cut it off. <laughs> You're looking at things you shouldn't look at? Let's pluck out your eye. You're going places you shouldn't go? Let's cut off your foot. That's not really what Jesus is speaking. It's a Jewish idiom that basically says deal severely with it, drastically with it, do whatever you have to. Sometimes it means that you have to cut off certain relationships. I mean, it could be extreme things, but it's an important reason because the Lord says it's not worth it. You know, you hold on to whatever it is. Maybe it's that drug. Maybe it's that pornography. Maybe it's that relationship that's not of the Lord, and so you hold on to it. You go to hell. Wouldn't it be better to make that, you know, spiritual, surgical, you know, necessary, necessary decisions and go to heaven? See, that's what the Lord is saying. And he's telling us that this is a real place. 
C.S. Lewis was told about a gravestone inscription that read, Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. And Lewis quietly replied, I bet he wishes that was so. Why? Because of the reality of hell. This rich man speaks to Abraham, and he says, Have mercy on me. But look what we read back in Luke 16 and verse 25. It says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. We see, first of all, here that there's an explanation. And, you know, basically the way that it works is Abraham says, The problem is that when you were living your life, you know, you had all these good things. Uh, and, and, and Lazarus had all these bad things and now things are reversed because when you had the opportunity to do what was right to humble yourself and to become my son you didn't and the fruit of that was manifested in the fact that when this beggar think about this when this beggar was there laid at your gate every single day you did nothing about it and who knows maybe the rich man thought well at least I let him stay at my gate and I'm sure when my friends come over they give him a couple of bucks. I don't know. But I will tell you one thing, man. You can tell a lot about a person by how they treat the poor. When is the last time you helped out a poor person? Seriously. When? We have to have that in our hearts. Really make sure that it's understandable that the Bible talks a lot about helping poor people. Proverbs 14.21 says, He who despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Proverbs 28.27, He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. All I'm saying is this. For this rich man, that was something that manifested the fact that he did not know the Lord. And so you can kind of check your own life. Do you ever help? Do you ever give benevolence? Things like that. See, the reason why the Lord has blessed you, some of you here in a financial way, is not so that you can indulge yourselves. It's not. It's not so that you can hoard up some type of a security just in case something happens to the economy and I'm not telling you to be a a bad steward but I'm just telling you to be a better follower of the Lord more sensitive to the spirit last night we got together with the young adults and the rich young ruler we went over that story in which the Lord told this rich young ruler sell everything give it to the poor and come follow me Think about that for a second. Sell everything? No, Lord, that's not good. I got my 401k. I'm just about to pay off my house, you know? I mean, I'm not saying you guys should do that, but I'm just saying that you got to listen to the Lord because what we see right here is this guy, that, that, that was a manifestation for him that he didn't know the Lord, and I think for some that they're not following the Lord. Because when I read my Bible, I really see God talk a lot about the poor. You see, there's an explanation in verse 25. There's a fixation in verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you 
cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Abraham says, come on, send Lazarus, just a little drop of water. And, 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 and you know, I mean, you know, the rich man doesn't. And Abraham says, I can't because there's this gulf. Nothing changes after you die. It's not like when you die, you're like, okay, man, I'm going to get a second chance. Maybe they'll pray me out of purgatory. <laughs> doesn't happen like that. You've got to make your decision now because then it's too late. Nothing changes. See, there's this great chasm that separates the two. So we read in verse 27, salvation. I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rise from the dead. Now, a couple of things in closing, you guys. Number one, you know, why a lot of you here already know the Lord, and I know you love the Lord, but I just want to give you this text as a reminder um, that people are dying every day. That people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we need to be caught up in the kingdom. That Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the loss. And I know we're having a lot of fun and we're doing our thing and we're enjoying life. But sometimes I feel like, you know, Mufasa speaking to Simba, who said, You're more than you've become, right? There's more to life. We have to really have eyes to evangelize. We have to reach out to our lost neighbors. I read a story about a man who was on death row. He was on death row. And one day the, the preacher came to him and he said, all right, well, you're about to die. I'm going to tell you the gospel real quick. Jesus died for you. And if you place your faith in him, you're going to go to heaven when you die. Because he didn't really care. And so the man says, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that Jesus died for me and that all I have to do is from my heart receive him as Lord and Savior, place my faith in him, and I'll go to heaven? preacher said, yeah. And the man said, you know what, if I believed that story was true, I would walk barefoot on broken glass across this country and tell the whole world. And it's true. The sin of silence has swept the church. You guys, be bold. Tell people about Jesus. This man right here, if he could come back, he said, warn them. Warn them, right? That's one thing we see. The second thing we see is that Abraham said, you know, the bottom line is it's not going to be miracles. It's not going to be signs. It's not going to be wonders that save people. I mean, Lazarus in John chapter 11, he rose from the dead. They still didn't believe. Jesus rose from the dead. They still don't believe. What it is is the preaching of the word of God, the spirit of God, using the word of God to make children of God. And that's why it's important that wherever you go, you guys make sure that you're in the word and you're preaching the word and you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what we find in the end is that God will take his word, your love, your care, your obedience. And God will take, you know, knuckleheads like us, but people who really care. And they'll get saved. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate 
what can happen through your life. You know, maybe it's your next door neighbor and you hear them fighting. You hear them yelling. And you're like, hey, sweetheart, come here, let's check this out. You know, and you put the cup to the wall and you're like listening, right? Or maybe it's that guy over there, you know, and you know, oh man, they went to the house and I could tell they're selling drugs. And you know, maybe you call the cops, I don't know. But before you do, have you shared Jesus with them? I don't know. All I'm saying is just open our eyes to evangelize. What if everybody in this church made it a prayer request? Lord, use my life to save one person this year. And the church would double. How about two people? Not just this church, but we want it for the kingdom. It's important, guys, that we understand what he said right here, that God will take his word. God will take the word of God, and by the spirit of God, he will make children of God, and that's how they'll be saved. And so I pray God would use your life. This right here is a finder for those who don't know the Lord. Let this be the day that you're born again. This right here is a reminder for those of us who do know the Lord. Let's get busy reaching out to the lost. Let's be wise and have eyes to evangelize. This right here is something that God says I want to use to call you to faith. And this is a text that God uses, I believe, telling the church to share your faith. Because it's amazing what happens when people get saved. Marriages get mended. Children get their dads back. It's amazing what happens when people get saved. Then they go get a job. Then they begin to provide for their family. Then they're no longer addicted to drugs. Then they're no longer drunks. Then they're no longer addicted to pornography. Then there's love. Then everything changes. But it doesn't happen until they get saved. And so God wants to use your life to reach the lost. And if you're here today, and God wants to reach you if you don't know Jesus. You know, I figured out the way that it works. I know my username. I know my username. You want to know what my username is? I'll tell you guys this. Don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> my username is Manny the Sinner. That's my username. Nothing else will work. Not Manny the good guy. Not Manny the pretty good guy. Not Manny the halfway decent guy. Not Manny the pastor. Not Manny the husband. Not Manny the dad. Not Manny the friend. The only username I have is Manny the sinner. Because that's who I am. Right? But I also know my password. It's Jesus the Savior. huh? Because although we are great sinners, some of you guys, I know, you're really, really bad. We have a great, Savior. Amen? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love, your grace in our life. We deserve hell. We deserve it right now. But you've given us heaven. There's no doubt in my mind, Lord. And I just want to thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray for all the Christians here, Lord, that you would stir us up to have hearts and wisdom to evangelize to have hearts and wisdom to reach the poor, to do the things that your word calls us to do, Lord. Father, I pray you bless your beautiful church that is blood-bought and bathed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All their sins are forgiven. But help us, Lord, not to 
just cruise from here on out. But Lord, help us to capture, to throw out that net and to reach those that don't know you. And just in case, Lord, there's any here today that don't know you, that they don't know for sure. They don't know for sure if when they die they're going to go to heaven, Lord. I pray that you would save them. And just in case you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're not sure, you're, you're not sure, but you want to be sure today, then right where you're at, if you want to admit you've sinned and receive Christ as Lord and Savior, this is the day of salvation. And right where you're at, would you just raise your hand and, and we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for the hands that have gone up. see all those hands. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? There has to be a time in your life where you decided to follow Jesus. Don't be afraid. The most important decision you will ever make. Just in case there's anyone else. I remember when I got saved. The pastor said, I feel there's more of you. I feel there's more of you. And that was when I raised my hand. I'll never regret that decision. Don't let the enemy rip you off. Anyone else? Don't be afraid. Father, I thank you for all those people, beautiful people that raised their hands today. And I know you saw each and every heart and the heartache and even the dis not sure Lord the uncertainties Father everything I thank you that you are the God who sees you are our Savior Lord and as today all these beautiful people they turn from their sins and they trust in Christ as Lord and Savior Father we pray for them Lord that you would protect them that you would root them and ground them in your love your life would never be the same. You do a glorious work in your sons and your daughters. Thank you, thank you, thank you again, Lord, for this day. We just pray, Lord, that now as we sing and as we go, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with your love. And we pray together in Jesus' name.